We are so afraid that we are going to mess it up, that somehow we are going to be the ones responsible for future generations falling apart at the seams. Welcome to Culture Coach, a podcast with me, Nikki Lerner, helping you to engage in a proactive movement towards unity and understanding as it relates to culture and come from. Thanks for joining me today. You ready to go? Let's get started. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. You know, I wanted to create a space each week where you and I can learn about different cultures and come froms in a safe, non-threatening, non-embarrassing environment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For more creative resources and ideas, you can engage with me at NikkiLearner.com. One of the blessings of being home and working from home in this season is that I've actually uh, traveled less for my work, um, less in-person speaking and, and all that good stuff. I, I miss it. <laughs> Let me just tell you, um, I miss it. But uh, what it has afforded me to do is to be able to take these latest episodes of the podcast and actually uh, just spend time interviewing people in my world. And so I've been really happy about that. So today I'm bringing you another interview with a good friend of mine. Her name is Ronnie Rock. And how we even started this conversation is uh, she had sent me an email and asked me uh, just for some insight on the idea of uh, shame from the white community. Um, How does shame play into uh, how people talk about race and culture and dive into or stay away from uh, these conversations about culture as it relates to ethnicity. Um, And we were having some dialogue over email and I said, you know, we really need to jump on the podcast um, and have you talk about this because it was one of the things that um, wasn't quite on my radar, at least in the last several weeks, as I've been leaning into my own work. So I'm very excited uh, to let you dive right into the conversation with my friend Ronnie Rock. Ronnie is also the author of a new book called One Woman Can Change the World, and you can find her at ronnierock.com, R-O-N-N-E-R-O-C-K.com. So uh, enjoy. The audio is a little little wonky, but uh, I think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. I, I am taught from the time I am born as a white person. And I never even thought about it. It's because I'm a white person. I don't know. I'm, I thought it was because I'm, it's, I'm a United States citizen. And therefore, I have not just these rights, but this incredible obligation mm-hmm. to be yeah. successful and all of those things. And then I'm like, so it's weird. So when you tell us that we're doing something wrong and we're going to try to fix it and make it right, but then we're going to be told that we're trying too hard. So help me when I know that deep down inside it is right it's a sin of fear and pride those they're terrible twins I talk a lot about respecting um, what has been passed down to us all of us um, in our country given our different people groups right there are some things that I think um, Americans just in general uh, collectively experience, right? There's part of the American culture 
that we all experience no matter what our ethnicity, right? Because we live within the context of the United States. And then there are these subcultures that are still, uh, still American, but are tied back to our history, mm -hmm. right? So, um, you know, I have things that are passed down to me uh, because of, of the history of our country mm -hmm. um, and how I see the world. And, and it's things that, um, and this is probably the most frustrating part of it sometimes is you're like, but wait a minute, but, but I'm a different person. I don't wanna be, you know, but it's like everything else that it, things come through the family line, things mm -hmm. come through the, the cultural line and they get passed down, right? So there are things passed down to people like me from my people group and my opinion and i'd love to know what you what you think about this and i want to hear even how you were able to name this idea of shame and perfectionism in the white community is it's usually very challenging for white americans to see themselves as an ethnic an ethnic group mm -hmm. Uh, or a culture group. And so you guys have things passed down to you as well, um, being usually the majority culture, right? Who are, is in power. And, and some of those things that are passed down to you are really good and some of that we can learn from uh, and vice versa. But some of those things have been passed down uh, whether you like them or not. Mm -hmm. uh, my husband talks about this all the time, right? Uh, they've just been passed down because you are a white person mm -hmm. in the country and just being able to see it and respect it. How, how did you, how were you able to name that in yourself and connect it to your, your comfort, your culture? Um, and just, just un unpack that uh, as, as a culture coach right now, Ronnie, uh, <laughs> right? Unpack that for non-white people to understand what, what that feels like or what you experience. Yeah. Well, I am certainly, I am certainly not a culture coach. I just, I love cross-cultural communication and, and have learned the hard way, the value of shutting up and listening, <laughs> uh, because it is, and again, what you said, man, you nailed it. I don't, I didn't think about it as, is this a white culture thing? Is this born into me because of the color of my skin or is it born into me because of the geography in which I was born? Or was it born into me because I also was born into a family with a dad who rose from the Great Depression and fought in World War II and was a bootstrapping man who was also an alcoholic and a prescription drug addict because he couldn't handle the stress but could never admit that he was broken. And I know that the answers are yes to all of those things, right? But to um, be taught from the time that you are a child that you can accomplish anything you choose to that everything can be solved with just a little hard thought mm. and a little elbow grease and mm. all of the every colloquialism that you are taught right you just you just put your hand to it 
and you can accomplish anything. And if you don't accomplish it, that's an indictment on you. Mm. That is not an indictment on culture. That mm. is not, that is an indictment on you that I'm watching right now in the midst of COVID and the decisions and the worries and all of those kind of things that are happening with parents trying to make decisions about their kids and future. And the people that I see that are freaking out the most right now are my white moms, my white mom friends, mm. because they're so afraid they're going to screw it up. Ooh, say that again. They are so afraid. <laughs> we are so afraid mm. that we are going to mess it up, that somehow we are gonna be the ones responsible for future generations falling apart at the seams. Mm. that our words are not going to be perfect, that our um, approach is not going to be perfect, but we, there's this indictment that we place on ourselves. And I do believe it has been passed down mm. from generation to generation to generation. And so you see that, but man, we freak, we freak out easily if we think that we are a contributor mm. to something going wrong. Ooh, and Ronnie, that's deep what you just said. And so when you mm. look at it right now, when we are talking about, right, and, and good grief, what a combination of things that we are talking about right now in our own country. And we haven't even gotten to the next level conversation about who is our country and who are we collectively as in the United States when how do we look at who a neighbor is and how do we look at how we really treat others that we see as other uh, and we've not even gotten to that conversation yet in this time because the way i see it sometimes is there are non-white people that are actually further along and no more about how to navigate this time yeah. than majority white culture. And yeah. again, talk about things passed down, right? Mm -hmm. I, the way I view it is some people in the white community are just used to having the answers and knowing what to do and that kind of thing. And this is kind of like, no, you actually have to learn from yeah. a minority group, collective group of people now. And that yeah. is jarring uh, to the culture. A friend of mine said, wow. And I don't know if you would resonate with this or not. He said to me, he's a he's a, a white man who grew up in the Dominican Republic. Um, and so he's very conflicted with a lot of things going on. And he said, um, he said, you know, I'm wondering when when there will be a time where I uh, what the culture group I represent or me personally that I do not represent an oppressor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a hard thing. And, and man, I understand. I do understand the topic of white fragility. Mm. I know when my feelings are hurt because mm. there's wounding that's happening. Mm -hmm. Right? I do know. Um, I've seen folks say that we are used to being the heroes, that we want to be the heroes. That also, if you look culturally, right, it's a, we are taught to be superheroes. Mm -hmm. I taught to, I wrote an entire book 
not about being a superhero, but about embracing God's actual design for you, mm -hmm. right? That if the creator of the universe thought enough to shape you and form you, then your his, his character qualities live within you. That is a beautiful thing, but it can be viewed as almost a superhero mentality. And so that's woven into our mm -hmm. Americanism mm -hmm. that is woven into us historically as being a country. Oh man, if I say this, I want to upset folks, but being a country that has wanted to be the dominant country. Um, we don't, we would never call ourselves the oppressors because we are the Liberty. We're the country of Liberty and the country mm -hmm. of peace but get in our way and we will Ooh. we're not shy about yeah. using our heft and our power yeah to remind you of who gets to sit yes or who we believe is sitting on a throne yeah and so you do like i said it's it's heritage it is where we live then it's personally our own stories mm -hmm. i was and again, I was raised to believe you can do anything you want. If you don't do it, you're given everything you need. You are given everything you need. You have freedoms. They are, they are written in, in and this doesn't country. doesn't that sound like the language of how people are addressing issues in the country with regards to uh, poverty? or lack of resources that people have, that there really is um, a huge disconnect between the Americanness of our language, right? Which is not always bad, right? Yeah. I mean, there's parts of it that's like, yes, like, yes, I can do everything, right? Mm -hmm. I love that. Because um, I didn't necessarily come from a family that leaned into that you know yeah. um in my older age i am leaning into that for sure but so we have this kind of americanness in our language but then we we have this disparity of what we actually see so if we believe that all of us can do whatever we want at any given time that sort of thing then the only reasonable answer or perspective to have to bridge the gap is well you must not just be working hard enough mm -hmm. <laughs> right you, you have failed in some way you've not tried hard enough yes you uh morally are not sound enough um you're just a late you're you're lazy yeah um rarely is it that you don't you're not given an opportunity to learn about it well it's just yeah. always been there you oh, should yeah. know better and so well, it reminds me, Ronnie, of, um, you know, you and I both follow uh, John Acuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was, he's talked about this before, um, about how, you know, at about 35 years old, we just decide to stop learning. Mm -hmm. You know, we just decide, okay, I've got everything I need to successfully navigate the culture and the world. And I've got my job and I've got my family and i've got this and this and this right i'm good and and at 35 or whatever right somewhere in that that area if we're not careful we can just decide 
that we have everything we need. We have learned everything we need to learn up until this point in order to survive. Yeah. Right. And so when we're talking about where we are now in 2020 and trying to navigate through new, not new, but new discussions Mm -hmm. um, on culture as it relates to ethnicity and come from that I think so many of us, and I think this is an issue cross-culturally, we think we know everything we need to know in order to uh, appropriately navigate or understand what's going on right now, as opposed to collectively saying, okay, what do we need to learn? Now I will say more than any other time that I've been alive at least, I have never seen so many people reading books on uh, history and racism and all this stuff. And quite frankly, it's a little odd. Like I have to get used to it, you know, that like, I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day who's, uh, who's white American and she's like, oh, I got these four books, I'm reading them on. I'm like, this is weird, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like people actually care about this stuff, but thank God for people Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. who are leaning into, you know, what what are the things I don't know? I'm willing to not know yeah. for a while, knowing that at some point I'm going to know more than I did a week ago. Hey, thanks so much for making the time to listen. If you like the insight today, tell your friends and be part of the newsletter at NikkiLearner.com. Remember, it takes that first decision to realize your vision for a more generous, multicultural life. I'll see you next week.